0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day. Today on Ag Day, I'm Charles Denny. Happy Halloween from the York 4-H Center in Crossville, Tennessee. Grounds allegedly haunted by a spirit known as Herman the German. That story coming up on Ag Day. Another possible record sale. Hear what it's
1: reported one farmer paid for a piece of land in Nebraska. Trade tip, the latest battle brewing between the U.S. and Mexico, this time over corn.
2: Uh, Mexico, gets about 90, 92 percent of their corn from the U.S. What it'll take to solve it
1: right now on AgNet.
2: Good morning, I'm Clinton
1: Griffiths. Another trade dispute is brewing between the United States and Mexico. The latest TIF is one that has been in the works for the last two years regarding Mexican imports of U.S. corn. AgDays' Michelle Rook has the very latest.
3: Clinton, Mexico has confirmed that the country does not plan to amend its ban on imports of GMOs. That is set to start in 2024. Mexico's deputy ag minister saying the country is on track to cut its imports of U.S. yellow corn by half through increased domestic production. Mexico is a top customer for U.S. corn, accounting for 20 to 25 percent of U.S. corn exports annually. So this is a huge issue. Mexico is backtracking on their reassurances made a year ago that they would not limit imports of GMO corn from the U.S. Instead, they say they'll make direct deals with farmers in the U.S., Argentina, and Brazil who produce non-GMO corn to supply their needs outside of domestic production. However, market experts say this is simply not doable.
2: We've, we've heard this story for the past two years. We, we, we all understand from the U.S. grain market perspective, we simply don't think it's going to be realistic. Uh, Mexico, gets about 90, 92% of their corn from the U.S., 15 million tons annually. And of oh, our GMO corn, that's about 92% of our product.
3: In fact, 92% of the world corn supply is GMO. So Nelson says South America will have difficulty guaranteeing that volume of non-GMO product.
2: Now, you can certainly argue that Brazil is going to be much cheaper than uh, than us right now, actually, to to, to, to cargo up in. Uh, but the question is, do they have the supplies of non-GMO corn that can be verified?
3: Mexico claims their decree is not in violation of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, saying the country was under no obligation to buy and grow GM corn. But officials with the National Corn Growers Association disagree.
0: There are numerous violations under... Section 31 of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, if you want to get technical, um, part of which, if you're going to reject a, an application uh, from an RD company for whatever biotech product, uh, then you need to do, do it with some kind of science, uh, sound scientific basis.
3: Kelly says this is potentially arbitrary and capricious, and they're calling for trade action.
0: We need the U.S. trade rep, who's the chief negotiator for the Biden-Harris White House, to file a case, we think it's um, maybe not a layup, but certainly a, a, an easy, um, you're inside the free throw line in terms of winning the case.
3: And it's not just a ban on GMO corn. Mexico is also moving ahead with their ban on corn produced with herbicides like glyphosate and glufosinate, which Kelly says is also a violation of USMCA. NCG officials say this import action also impacts a cross-section of other U.S. Ag commodities that are biotech or produced using glyphosate or glufosinate. So they're asking other groups to join with them to press the USTR for trade action. Kelly also points out it will impact white corn, so it is a food security issue for Mexico.
1: All right, thanks, Michelle. Happening right now, U.S.A. Deputy Secretary Jewel Brano, along with representatives from 32 agribusinesses and farm organizations, are taking part in a trade mission to Nairobi, Kenya, and Zanzibar, Tanzania, Brano saying ahead of the trip, the trade mission would provide first-hand knowledge of market conditions and opportunities in East Africa, as well as expand awareness about U.S. ag and food products there in the region. Now, last year, the U.S. exported more than $60 million worth of agriculture, fish, and forestry products to Kenya. Another almost $7 million worth of ag products went to Tanzania. Negotiations continue on another front over the U.N.-brokered Black Sea grain deal and the effort to keep it going. The U.N. aid chief says he is still relatively optimistic. A deal to keep Ukrainian grain exports going would be extended beyond the middle of next month. However, Russia claims that provisions to ease its ag and fertilizer exports were not being met.
4: Ag Day Weather, brought to you by AGI Neco. AGI Nico dryers have an average of 1 to 2 pounds heavier test weight per bushel than screen dryers. They can also save you 30% on average in fuel savings. That's money in your pocket. Visit aggrowth.com nico for more information.
1: On this Halloween, ghostly showers are forecast across the Ohio River Valley and northeast. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with an update. Andrew.
5: And we will be watching those showers today for Halloween, which may impact some of those out there trick or treating across parts of the Ohio River Valley, as well as parts of the north and east. As we take a look at that uh, low pressure system behind me again, we're going to be watching that the low pressure system bringing with it some moisture from the south and that will continue to again overspread parts of the north and east as we go into the start of this week. Here's a look at the future radar for this morning and then as we advance all the way through through this evening here we are paused at 7 p.m for those uh, having plans out there for those trick-or-treaters. Again, we will be watching some showers across eastern Indiana, over towards Ohio, Pennsylvania, as well as the Carolinas, and they really could use the moisture, especially down across parts of the Carolinas, so luckily we do have a few showers in store. Meanwhile, we go all the way out to the western half of the country. By midweek, we're going to be watching a deep trough developing, and that's going to mean a lot of inner mountain snow here, which is good news for those locations as we take a look at that root zone map. You notice lots of red out across the parts of the western coast, and it does look like with that trough, we're going to see several waves uh, coming on board here as we go throughout to the mid and latter half of this week, and even potentially continuing on into next week. And this photo is filling all of us with pride. The Iowa National Guard sharing this one, saying you know you're from the Midwest when you complete your oath of reenlistment in a cornfield. The guard says specialist William Price was scheduled for drill but was needed at home to help his family during harvest season. So in true Iowa fashion, his senior leaders traveled to him. Thank you for your service. I'll warn your Ag Day forecast in just a few. A U.S. Forest
1: Service burn boss was arrested earlier this month on an allegation of reckless burning for a fire that it's reported spread to a rancher's private property. The Forest Service crew was conducting a prescribed burn in the Malheur National Forest in Oregon. But the grant county sheriff says the fire ended up burning about 20 acres of land belonging to the holiday family before being brought under control a chad holiday contends almost 40 acres of his property was burned the man arrested rick snodgrass told a local newspaper his arrest by the sheriff disrupted the chain of command and put people and the land at risk he was taken to the county jail and then conditionally released officials say it could take weeks or even months to determine if a charge will be filed for a service chief, Randy Moore, denouncing the sheriff's action, calling it highly inappropriate. Corn sliding again to end the week. Michelle Rook is back with a look at whether it could gain back some ground this week. And later, what would Halloween be without a ghost story? And Charles Denny has found the perfect one to tell in Tennessee, in the country.
4: Ag Day is brought to you by EndZone from Farm Shop MFG, which allows you to rehydrate your soybeans from 10 to 13% on a 20,000 bushel bin that's an extra semi-load added to your bottom line. Order your EndZone fan now for as low as $2,900 while supplies last.
1: It happened again. Another record-breaking farmland sale, this time in Nebraska. Check This out, $5.5 million for two tracts of land, totaling almost 280 acres in Richardson County, Nebraska. Tract one, selling for more than $27,000 an acre, the other for more than $14,000. Both tracts sold to separate local farmers, and we're told the runner-up bidders were also local farmers. Now, you'll remember earlier this month, we told you about a record sale in Plymouth County, Iowa, where a farmer in that state, Bought land for $26,250 an acre. Corn futures ended last week with a second straight week of declines. Michelle lets us know if there's any room for improvement this week. in This morning's Markets Now report.
3: Welcome to this morning's market analysis. Darren Frywater Street Solutions joining us. We ended uh, the week mixed last week. Let's talk about grain specifically. Corn and wheat looked like we saw a little bit of outside market pressure with the higher dollar for one.
2: Yeah, the dollar was higher uh, here to end the week. And we also had a little bit of chance for better rain from Texas up into Minnesota in the forecast. And I think that pressured wheat a little bit. Uh, Corn really got pulled back and forth between the lower wheat and the stronger meal market that really helped the beans come from 10 lower to finish the week about five and a half higher. So corn kind of just got stuck in the middle of those two trading.
3: So soybeans also got some help from some export business, but did we also see a little end of the month type positioning?
2: Yeah, I think, you, you know, you got a lot of people long oil and short meal and maybe had some unwinding of those spreads. But we did have a flash sale from Spain and one from China and about 12 million bushel in all. And we've seen decent export sales, but we know that that window is closing as uh, things are going good in Brazil. And so I think it's just a matter of time before China can get the beans out of Brazil we got about another 8, 10 weeks here to try to get as much business as we can. And I think the market is trying to do that.
3: So we should be at the point where we should see harvest pressure kind of pulled off of the corn and soybean market here. What are we going to look at now in the week ahead, Darren? We do have that Fed announcement coming up again midweek.
2: Yeah, the Feds are going to be out. And I think, you know, if you would have taken a poll two weeks ago, it was going to be 75 basis points. But that's moderated some, especially with the weak PMI numbers out on monday of last week and looking at some of those uh, the pce as well and we'll have uh, unemployment out you know the first uh, friday here in november and i think we'll be looking at all those things but if the feds would surprise with a 50 instead of a 75 i think that would be more of a risk on trade and i think the macros are signaling that you know the, the equity markets have been really strong and that hasn't really helped the grains out it's kept pressure off of them but it hasn't given them the lift i thought but I think maybe we'll see what the Fed chair wants to do on Wednesday, and then we'll go from there.
3: Yeah, money flow continues to be a dominant feature of these commodities for sure. Thanks so much for joining us, Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions. We'll have more Ag Day coming up.
4: For marketing strategies specific to your operation, contact Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528 or online at www.waterstreet.org. Got equipment to sell privately but tired of scams and hassles? Visit machinerypeat.com and click Sell Mine. Machinerypeat.com, the simple and secure way to buy and sell equipment online.
1: just Andrew Whitmire joining us here, taking a look at uh, really temperature expectations over the next week or so. And it looks like it's going to be cool out west. It is.
5: We're seeing a big pattern flip across all of the lower 48. And the most notable is going to be across parts of the western half of the U.S. It's going to cool down and become a lot more active, which is good news for those soils that really need to become more saturated. Looking at the temperature map here again for at least the temperatures are concerned we're going to be really focused on this blue out here. We're not talking about the extreme cold temperatures but we are talking some cooler temperatures and that is all thanks to a more active pattern that is going to take shape across the western half here of the country again across parts of the Rockies Intermountain West. In the higher elevations, we're going to be watching for some pockets of heavier snowfall and at times of some much needed moisture for parts of the western half of the U.S. And if we take a look at the Climate Prediction Center's kind of overall November precipitation, it does kind of follow that trend there where that trough is going to develop throughout this week here of kind of above average precipitation throughout the parts of this month across the Pacific Northwest and not good news for parts of the southern plains here uh, where the uh, rainfall here is going to likely end up uh, topping out uh, potentially below average. Let's walk you through the precipitation for this week. Again, we're going to be watching the West Coast here for several waves of action. That's going to bring with it to several rounds of showers and even some mountain snow out there. And we'll also be watching parts of the Southern Plains. Hopefully we can get a few uh, little waves of energy trying to develop here. And that could certainly increase moisture for parts of the uh, Southern Plains here as we go throughout this week, which would be good news as those areas are still in an extreme to exceptional drought for a lot of locations uh, down into Oklahoma and even into parts of northern Texas. Walking through the jet stream as we go throughout this now first a few days here of November. Here we are on Tuesday. We're going to be kind of watching that ridge building up across parts of the Great Lakes Midwestern states. It's going to allow warmer air to pump up to the north. Meanwhile, we're watching that trough that's going to be developing out west and that's going to bring with it a more active pattern for the western half of the country. And that's going to allow for areas along the Great Lakes, Midwest, and parts of the Deep South to kind of remain on the quieter side. And it's really, again, all thanks to that upper-level ridge that's going to continue to build on in for the eastern half of the U.S. Meanwhile, that trough on the western half of the U.S. is going to allow it to become more active. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Moving on over to Seven Devils, North Carolina, ghostly showers, high nearing 60 degrees going over to Tombstone, Arizona, looking spooktacular, and going up to Deadwood, South Dakota, ghostly shadows.
1: Thanksgiving has come a little early for machinery. Pete, he's here to explain why.
6: Well, folks, I gotta tell you, I think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of all. And it reminds me of an auction I covered 10 years ago, 2012, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, one of the most memorable auctions I've ever covered. November 24th, 2012 in Leroy, Minnesota, the estate auction for Stanley Bergman. And the sale was by my friends Eastman and Sons Auction Company. And I remember at one point, my auctioneer friend Dean Eastman behind the mic telling the crowd folks yesterday was Black Friday today is Green Saturday. And I tell you what, Dean was not kidding. Beautiful line of John Deere tractors. I remember a 1976 John Deere 4630, 6514 hours on it. So for 20,750 bucks, the crowd was just amazed. I remember in my YouTube video I made a note saying folks that's the second highest auction price on a 4630 in 13 years at the time. And to show you how much things have changed, our current market, of course, the hottest I've ever seen. The last two years, I've actually seen five auction prices on 4630s between 26,100 bucks, up to 37,000, the five highest auction prices I've ever seen.
4: The NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Closed captioning on Ag Day is brought to you by BASF. BASF, helping you do the biggest jobs on Earth.
1: If you dare venture to the Crossville 4-H Center this Halloween, legend has it there's a spirit called Herman the German hanging around, creeping out campers. Charles Denny has more on this historic ghost
0: story and how Herman may have ended up in Tennessee. The York 4-H Center in Crossville is closed for summer. The kids are gone, the place eerily quiet. Just staff are here year-round, along with the occasional work retreat, like this unruly group from the UT Institute of Agriculture's Marketing and Communications team. But no matter what time of year you visit, are you sure you're alone? Campfire stories expound on the legend of Herman the German, a one-legged spirit alleged to haunt these grounds.
6: It's just a little creepy sometimes, um, kind of feel like people are, are around or watching you or you can be one of the buildings cleaning the building and not feel like you're alone. So, could it be Herman? I think it could be Herman. It could be. Sometimes you can, you can hear the footsteps or feel like you hear the footsteps.
0: Consider this the return of Herman, or Herman Part 2. We first told you about this story back in 2011, and according to recent talk, for the past decade. The camp ghost has been active. True fact for sure, York was a POW camp for German and Italian officers captured in World War II. There are still photos and artifacts from that era in camp archives. Reportedly a prisoner, named Herman, tried to dig his way to freedom, scooping out a 40-foot tunnel, but he was shot in the leg as he tried his daring escape. His limb had to be amputated and then he died on camp grounds. The question now, could he still be hanging out here? He
4: just kind of oversees what's going on, doesn't really get in anybody's
0: way, but he
4: is he is present and he is very active is what I've been told as well. I haven't had any experiences myself, but um, I, I give it time, <laughs> I give it plenty
2: of time, especially around Halloween. It's evident that Herman is, is um, maybe not alive, but he's doing well. Mm-hmm.
0: State 4-H director Justin Crow theorizes that just maybe Herman changed his mind about that whole escape plot thing.
2: You know I think uh, it's one of those things when people go to 4-H camp they don't want to leave and so maybe he's been there for so long that he's just decided hey three square meals a day, a pool, you know 350 young people running around all the time. It's pretty enticing to hang out and want to have a good time.
0: For now, another spooky season comes to the York Center and you may think this is all a bunch of hocus-pocus. But if Herman the German is still hemming and hawing around camp, he's more than free to leave or stay. His call, his haunting. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks
1: Charles. More than 1,500 POWs were kept at the center during the war, 83 of them died at the camp and their bodies shipped back to Europe. Now, but legend has it, not one of those bodies was missing a leg. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day on Purpose, thanks for watching.